Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? Welcome to this series called Human Intelligence versus Artificial Intelligence. It's under our Curious Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. 
that is jaef.foundation. This is a series to address the elephant in the room. Will artificial intelligence ever equal or surpass human intelligence? In this series, I take time to contextualize some known and unknown facts that whoever is keeping track of the developments in the artificial intelligence space should consider. You see, computers are good and have made our lives easier on so many fronts. However, there seems to be this elephant in the room that if the developments and progress we see showcased in the artificial intelligence world maintain their momentum, that there is coming a day when human-engineered intelligence, that is artificial intelligence, will actually equal or surpass our human intelligence. Whether you think so or not, I address the elephant in the room from contexts that I believe our so-called AI artificial intelligence experts seem to be ignoring. I believe the best way to address this elephant is on grounds of mind and spiritual consciousness. In this series, I break down two core functionalities or components of an intelligence system. That is mind consciousness and spiritual consciousness. You see, human beings already possess both of these functionalities. Whereas computers, on the other hand, or artificial intelligence, or human-engineered intelligence, on the other hand, is still scratching the surface of mind consciousness. Without further ado, let's dive in.
Welcome back to episode eight of human intelligence versus artificial intelligence. This is a series to address the elephant in the room. Will artificial intelligence ever equal or surpass human intelligence? I try my best to provide the proper context in which we should answer this question. The first ground of this argument should be through the lens of consciousness. And in the last couple, in the last couple of episodes, I have labored to explain that our consciousness is twofold. There is mind consciousness and spiritual consciousness. So far, we've explored how we build our mind consciousness, and I've tried my best to express and, and, and explain that mind consciousness is built through the five senses that human beings have. These are, uh, we have five inputs for data into the human system. And that's through the five senses. That's how we build mind consciousness. Now, some of my colleagues in the engineering and science or physics world would have you believe that consciousness is this only one kind of consciousness. A lot of them don't want to admit to the fact that there is spiritual consciousness. There is spiritual consciousness. That's an argument that that's a variable that everyone pushes to the side. Because the moment you introduce spiritual consciousness, then you have to explain the source of spiritual consciousness. That means you have to involve this variable called spirit, the human spirit. And once you start to get in the spirit world, it's inevitable to consider the God factor. Now, for some of us who believe that we are created, that this universe was created, that believe in the existence of a God, uh, the scripture is clear that God is a spirit. It says he is the father of all spirits. And God breathed his spirit consciousness into man. It is that which made man a living soul. Spiritual consciousness existed before mind consciousness. Because if you look at Adam, if you go back to the beginning, um, I, I would dare say that before the fall of man, which is when Adam's spiritual consciousness was separated from synchronicity with God's consciousness, he was solely, there was, he, he did not have enough, he hadn't yet built up mind consciousness. He had not yet gone to school. He had not yet, he didn't know much about the universe or the planet, specifically the Garden of Eden that he had been created into. So the fall of man at the beginning of creation is really was a separation of spiritual consciousness. And that's how we functioned in the beginning. But right now, when people are talking about artificial intelligence, there isn't they think that 
at a certain point, we can engineer artificial intelligence to become as intelligent as human beings is because they totally believe that there's only one dimension of consciousness. I vehemently disagree. I think you have to be blind. There is not only one kind of consciousness. And the whole purpose of this series has been to say, hey, wait, 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 wait. Everybody is going crazy about every other video that they see from Boston Dynamics. Boston Dynamics is this company that is building robots that are able to do human-like uh, movements and tasks, and, 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 and they're creative. But every time a video of, uh, of the latest developments from Boston Dynamics surface on the internet, everyone starts thinking that Skynet, or we are entering the era of the Terminator, the cyborgs, ruling over the creation of, of, of man. So I'm saying pump the bricks. We have two kinds of consciousness, mind consciousness and spiritual consciousness. Now, so far, we've only explored how we build our mind consciousness and that it's through the five senses that we have as human beings. That's the only data inputs, the five data inputs we have into our human system. The same way when you are building technology, you input data. Human beings receive data inputs through the five senses, and that's how we build mind consciousness. I, I, I explained and said, look at the example of how do you get to a stage where whenever you see a hot red surface, you have this instinct not to touch it. It's because you have now become consciously aware that if I touch this thing, chances are that I will get burned. But the, for you to develop that part of consciousness, there had to be some input into your system, uh, visually and also through touch. So when you see the color red and you feel the color red and it's hot, it tells you, Hey, watch out. Don't touch this. It's hot. And if you touch it, you're going to feel a lot of pain. We looked at how computers and artificial intelligence systems stack up on each sense input. And I said, the best that we can project right now, being very, very generous, is that even at, at least for the foreseeable future, unless things change and new information becomes available to us, the best right now that I can project is that just on the scale of mind consciousness, artificial intelligence will only be able to score up to 40% of what human mind consciousness capabilities are. Now, there is another subject that I want to introduce. Now, hopefully, the plan is that we will soon segue into spiritual consciousness because we have to look at what spiritual consciousness is. Can we map what spiritual consciousness is? Because if we've figured out what mind consciousness is and how we develop it, then we have to look at spiritual consciousness as well. Now, 
let us talk about adaptability. I, I really think that this, uh, I, I'm going to call this sense adaptability. I really think that this is very important for us to explore when we're talking about mind consciousness. And this is the example. You see, human beings have this ability when one of their five senses is shut down to enhance the other senses. They kind of pull together and make up for the difference. Let's take a blind person or a visually impaired person. Now, their sense of hearing and touch is heightened to a whole nother degree when they lose their sight or vision. I call this sense adaptability. How would computers or how would artificial intelligence systems be able to pull this off? I don't know how they would be able to. For instance, let's take a man and a computer. We're going to take a humanoid artificial intelligence system and a human being. They are both heading towards a certain direction, a specific destination. And both their visual capabilities were shut down. The blind man, I would argue, would be able to travel, would still be able to travel a farther distance than a visually impaired artificial intelligence system. Why? Because currently artificial, artificial intelligence or AGI, artificial general intelligence, visual capabilities, uh, uh, currently artificial intelligence has two sense inputs that we can really say have been developed. And that's sight and hearing. So if you shut down artificial intelligence visual capabilities, and you basically say now this AI is blind, it would be heavily handicapped. It would be. It would remain with only one sense input. Meanwhile, not from personal experience, but we are told that people who are impaired in one of their senses seem to have the other senses heightened. It's been experimented with, and it's something that is a fact. So if already a system that is functioning with two out of five sense inputs, if you were to shut down one of its sense inputs, has will AI be able to now all of a sudden heighten its hearing? to make up for lack of sight or vision? Because in the case of the blind man and the artificial intelligence system, the blind man can still touch, smell, and hear. There's still four other senses that are, that are still available to him. He can still touch, smell, hear. 
What about the official intelligence system? Official intelligence system can't smell. It can't taste. It can't. That's the argument. So this is another kink that we we have to throw in that we have to throw into the ring into this equation. So using the example of the full self-driving car, what would happen if you shut down or shut off its visual input through its cameras or through its lidar? It won't be effective at all. It would have to go back to being a normal car controlled by a human being. Sense adaptability is something that we also have to factor in. How adaptable will artificial intelligence systems be if there's a scenario where you have to shut off one of their senses? Now, that's just one of the things that I wanted to introduce in this discussion. So another thing we can't ignore as we're talking about the subject of will artificial intelligence ever surpass human intelligence is there's another obstacle, the social climate. Social climate is real. Social climate matters and it will play a key role in how fast we are able to build artificial intelligence systems. Now, if the last decade has taught us something, it's that social stability plays a huge factor in innovation. The development or the development and deployment of full self-driving cars will and has largely been affected by social factors globally. You see, innovation does not advance exclusively in a vacuum. And I think if you look back at where we hope to be by this time, where we are 10 years ago, most of us would agree that as a society, we haven't even achieved the expectations of our imaginations, let's say from 10 years ago, from 2012. In fact, in so many ways, we are still functioning as, uh, we're still functioning like we are in the 20th century. And in some other instances, like we are in the 19th century. The social climate matters. Now, there has been a global semiconductor chip shortage and it has affected all manufacturing projections, especially if you're talking about uh, Internet of Things uh, technologies. If you just look at the last two years, we have lost two years of production since the COVID shutdowns and the repo effects might linger for another year or two until everything is back up to normalcy. So you have to factor these things in. 
you have to factor these things in. Now, the other important thing that we must mention is, is that subjectivity can change without change of data input or new data input into the system. What do I mean? In the last episode, in fact, we one of the things we're talking about, we, we introduced this aspect of object objective certainty versus subjective certainty. We introduced the subject and said, AI, how, how is, you know, when it comes to uh, one of the one of the arguments that, that that I was making in the last episode was that when it comes, for instance, to a self-driving car going down a road and it has to make a decision of what action of less evil or less damage should I make here? Should I run into the people on the left or run into the people on the right? I say that this decision is beyond the objective spectrum. That's a decision that has now been elevated into the criteria of subjective reasoning. Subjective reasoning. Subjective reasoning. Subjective reasoning. So the thing that we're mentioning here is one of the things that I'm trying to, uh, that, that, I, that I just say, one of the statements I just made that bears repeating is that subjectivity can change without change of data input or new data input into the system. What do I mean? Okay, so today, you know, today I could lean towards a certain opinion, right? But then tomorrow, after a good night's sleep, without receiving any new information from what I based my previous opinion on, I could wake up in the morning and change my mind towards a totally different opinion. How is it possible? How can we explain that subjective reasoning or a subjective opinion can change without change of data input or new data input into the system. So I could lean towards a certain opinion, but tomorrow after a night's sleep without receiving any new information from what I based my previous opinion on, I could wake up in the morning and change my mind towards a totally different opinion. Why and how could this happen? Now, I might argue that or postulate that this could happen because I reevaluate my internal biases. Hmm, my internal biases. Well, how could I change my opinion from yesterday without any new information from yesterday? What changed within me?
what changed within me? And where are these quote-unquote internal biases from? Might I introduce to you spiritual consciousness? What could explain that I could change my opinion from yesterday without new information from yesterday? I mean, I say, I could argue it's because I, I re-evaluated my internal biases, is what I'm calling them. But where are these internal biases from? I think we have to introduce the other variable, the second variable to this equation of consciousness, spiritual consciousness. Spiritual consciousness. Now, disclaimer, I can't talk about spiritual consciousness without talking about God. Scripture says God is a spirit, so he essentially holds the keys of our understanding to all things spiritual consciousness. And also because man at his core is also a spirit being because God created man. That's the governing principles of this argument of spiritual consciousness. So for the purpose of this conversation, especially to those who are atheist, agnostic, and so forth, the governing principles of this discussion, as we now introduce spiritual consciousness, are as follows. I'm laying the ground rules. Just like in physics or chemistry, you do have fundamental principles to a theory. Now, we are going to expose spiritual consciousness. So what are going to be our ground rules? The, I mean, our, yeah, our ground rules or our governing principles. Four of them. Number one is God is a spirit being. Number two, man is a spirit being as well because God created man. Man is a spirit with a living soul in a body. Man is three parts. Man is a spirit being with a soul that lives in a body. That's governing principle number two. Number three, our understanding of spiritual consciousness will be built on, on, on these two principles. The, man, the God is a spirit being and man is a spirit being with a soul living in a body. And number four, actually, that would only be uh, three principles. One is that God is a spirit being. Number two, man is a spirit being because God created man. And number three is the Bible will be our textbook for spiritual consciousness. The Bible will be, the Holy Bible, I should add, will be our textbook for spiritual consciousness. Now, with this established, let's proceed. 
But I thought that this, the question, as we segue, I think this is a very important question as we segue into the world of spiritual consciousness. And it is this. What separates God and man? Or better yet, what differentiates God the spirit from man the spirit? What separates the two of them? What differentiates them? One of our governing principles is that God is the spirit, man is the spirit, and God created man. Right? God is the spirit, man is the spirit, God created man, and the Bible is our textbook for spiritual consciousness, the Holy Bible. The question as we segue into the world of all things spiritual consciousness is we are going to explore what differentiates God the spirit from man the spirit. For that, you'll have to tune in to our next episode. Sela. This was episode 8 of Human Intelligence versus Artificial Intelligence. And we are addressing the elephant in the room. Will artificial intelligence ever equal or surpass human intelligence? In the next episode, we'll talk about why social climate matters and how it will play a key role in how fast we can build and advance artificial intelligence. If the last decade has taught us anything, it's that social stability plays a huge factor in the innovation cycle. Up to this point, our primary focus has been on mind consciousness. Now, in the next couple of episodes, we'll segue to the other half of consciousness, which is spiritual consciousness. Your host for today was Calvin Kabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.
Buried like a seed there 